Okay, Shasrelam Aleichem, we're going to do, uh, we're going to learn a whole sugya today and start another sugya, the Siyat HaDashmaya. The first sugya we saw bits of it when we started learning Achilles Arai, but uh, we're going to squeeze out of it some other points that aren't necessarily specific to the din of Achilles Arai when it comes to Sukkah. So it says the Mishnah, there was an incident that they brought food to Rabbi Yochan and Zakkai to taste from the night's dinner. The Rabbi Gamliel, I'm sorry, they brought Rabbi Gamliel, Shnei Kais Vesvidli, they brought him two figs, Vidli Shamayim, in a barrel of water. And they said, bring it up to the sukkah, meaning they were stringent not to eat even Achilles Arai outside of the sukkah, and we had two explanations, either because Achilles Arai is a key mitzvah, not an obligation, or because... Xera of the Sholemishiv, that they wanted to make sure that uh, they didn't end up eating a chilas kva inside the sukkah. And then we gave to her the food to Rabbi Tzadok, when a food that was less than a kibetza in size, not lobamapa, he would take it in a tablecloth and a napkin, and he would eat it outside of the sukkah, and he would make a bracha ochrona afterwards. The reason to make a bracha ochrona, we shouldn't speak out here. There's a machlokas or mayor of Yehuda on how much you have to eat in order to necessitate a bracha ochrona. According to a mayor, it's a kazayas. According to Rabbi Yehuda, it's a kabeitza. So we paskin the halacha that it's a kazayas like Rabbi Meir, but Rabbi Tzadok paskin like Rabbi Yehuda that it's a kabeitza. So since it wasn't, it was less than a kabeitza, he didn't make a bracha ochrona afterwards. So Rashi says here, not lubemapa, like not liyadov. He didn't wash his hands, meaning to say he didn't take a kli, a vessel, to wash his hands, like you do normatively for bread. He wrapped his hands in a cloth, out of cleanliness. Because he held that lesson in Kabeitza doesn't necessitate Natila Sedayim, Sukkah, or Birkas Hamazan. Meaning to say, though, that when it came to explain the Mishnah, why did Rabbi, why did Rabbi Tzadok wrap his hands? Why was it not the Bimapa? It was just to make sure that he kept clean. It had actually nothing to do with Exerit Rabbanan, the tomb of Atayra. One reason, the reason was for Nakias. We're going to get to explain why that is. How did Rashi know? Yeah, so let's see. Yes, the Gemara, Mesa, the Stur. We taught in the Mishnah, and now you're telling me, Amaisa, Rabbi Yochanan and Zakir and Gamaliel were stringent to eat Achilles Aray inside a sukkah. So you're bringing me a Mishnah, saying, and bringing an incident to contradict. And says the Gemara, really, we're missing part of the Mishnah, part of the explanation of the Mishnah. <coughs> and this is what it meant to say. If someone comes to be stringent on themselves, machmir, he can be stringent. And he's not being arrogant, he's not like he's priding himself in being super from about mitzvahs as opposed to other people. And we could buttress this idea from an incident that happened. They brought food to Rabbi Yechon and Zakai to taste it, and they brought Rabbi Gamliel to figs and a bucket of water. And they said, bring it up to the sukkah. When they brought it to Rabbi Tzadok, 
he ate food that was less than a kabeza, not the bamap of the chutzah He would take it in a cloth and he would eat it outside of the sukkah. So that's how the Gemara wants to go ahead and fix that. It's not a mice in this store, rather, it's coming to explain to you that there's not yura if you're stringent, even though it's not obligatory to be stringent. Ask the Gemara, Maybe we should propose this is a tiyufta to Rav Yosef and Abaye. What were Rav Yosef and Abaye? Rav Yosef and Abaye said on Chavavim and Aleph, Rav Yosef said that the shear for Achilles Aray was two or three kabetzas, and Abaye said the shear for Achilles Aray is kidetoyim barbi rava aylakala, right? How much a person takes on his way to base midrash when he's, he can't eat breakfast. Was so soon, Harashi understood that this is a kash on Abaye. So the Gemara says, no, it's not a tiyufta on Rav Yosef and Abaye. Dilma pachas mi and tila boy. Maybe less than a kabeitza, you don't necessitate netila and bracha, right? But ha kabeitza by netila bracha. A kabeitza needs netila and bracha. But what wasn't the discussion? The discussion wasn't about sukkah. Sukkah was a discussion on chavav and aleph. And the whole Kiddush of Rabbi Tzadok in the case of the Mishnah was just in regards to Netila Sidayim beforehand and the Bracha Chrena afterwards. That's a simple read of the Gemara. So Rashi here says in the Ramaskal Abaye, the Amr Kedutayim Bar Beirav. Like, because Abaye said that the Shir for Achilles Arai is how much a person, uh, right, a young Talmud student eats. Dainu Kabeitza. Rashi says that amount, Abaye's amount, is actually a Kabeitza. Why? The kibitza is the largest amount a person is able to eat with one swallow. Right? It's a derivation, the Gemara Nima derives it. Now that's very interesting, right? Meaning meaning to say that Rashi learned that Abaye's Kiritani Barbi Rava Oil is a kibitza. Now how did Rashi know that? Rashi knew that because according to our Mishnah, our Mishnah says that Rabbi Tzadok, anytime it was an Eichel, that was Pachas mi Kabeitza, anytime it was food less than a Kabeitza, so then under those circumstances he wouldn't wash. So that means the implication is, though, that if it was a Kabeitza, then he would. If it's a Kabeitza, so if that's true, that means that the, the Mishnah is clear that Achilles Arai has to be Dafka less than a Kabeitza. And if that's a Kasha and Abaye, so then Rashi was forced to establish Abaye saying, that the shear for Achilles Arai was actually a kavitza, and that was the amount of That's the Chorah, seemingly how Rashi knew that. So now if we're going to talk about Shita's Rashi, at the end of the day, according to Rashi, if a person eats a kavitza bread, they need Netila Sedayim, they need Birka Samazan, but it very well could be that they don't have to sit in a sukkah. Now Tosvos in when it comes to a kabeitza, we don't let you take a mapa, cloth, wash it, hold your hands. Why? We're concerned maybe you're going to touch the food even though your hands are wrapped up. Like we come to the conclusion in Chulin. However, this is astonishing, this conclusion. Why? Rabbi Tzadok was a Kohen. Vimkain, and if that's true, that Rabbi Tzadok was a Kohen. A Kohen is allowed to eat even a Kebetza without washing, as long as he holds his hands and wraps his hands in a towel. 
like Shmuel said over in the Gemara and Chulin, they allowed people who are Ochli Truma, Ochli Truma being Kohanim, to actually eat Truma, even a Kabetza's worth, if they hold, if they if they uh, wrap their hands up. So Tosis has a question here. Tosis remains in a question; he doesn't answer it. His question is: How come Rabbi Tzadok, if he was a Kohen, would not would only uh, use a mapa to prevent Natila Sidayim when it was less than a kabetza, since he was a Kohen, he could do it even for a kabetza. That's his question. Now, according to Tosfos, it's not just a it's a question on the Gemara. The Gemara says not like that, right? The Gemara says Natila Sidayim necessitate Natila Sidayim with a kabetza. So how can Tosfos says very good, we have a Gemara over in Chulin, but the Gemara here says it's not true. So what's uh, the explanation of Tosfos? So I brought for you here Tosfos in uh, Mesechus Yuma. Tosfos in Yuma asks as follows: Rabbi Tzadok was a coin. And it says in Chulin, that even for Eichli Truma, you're allowed to eat a mappa for Kavitza. So we could explain the Loitira mappa, they only allowed a coin to eat a Kavitza worth of food with a cloth. They only let it for Kohanim while they were eating Truma itself. Because while they're eating truma, inasmuch as defiling truma is a prohibition, deraisa, right? It, the pasuk says, "Mishmeres trumaisai," that you have to go ahead and keep a shmira, a protection over truma. So there, since they're eating truma and that they're obligated midaraisa to be careful with, they're more they're more cautious, and therefore even a kameitz will allow them. But when it comes to chulin. Regular food that's not truma, then they didn't allow it. So according to this thesis in Meseches Yuma, we can go ahead and explain our Gemara. Our Gemara, our Mishnah that says that Shmuel, I'm sorry, Rabbi Tzadok, was stringent to only eat pachos mikabetsa with amapa. That's when he's talking about chulin. And the Gemara in Perakalabasar that says that Oichle Truma, the Kohanim, are able to eat a kabetsa, even with Anatila Sidaim, that's talking about eating truma itself and not chulin. And that's how we can go ahead and explain the difference between the two Gemaras. So that's uh, that segment of the Gemara. That's what we want to add to the Sugi of Achilles Arai. And now let's start the next Mishnah. This next Mishnah is a Lamdish, and there's a lot to talk about, and a lot to break into. So let's go slow, one step at a time. So this is the Mishnah. Rebbe Leezer, Abar makes a claim. A person's obligated to eat 14 meals in a sukkah. One in the morning, one at night, and seemingly the seven days of sukkahs, right? So each day of sukkahs is obligated to two meals. That comes out to 14 sudas, Rabbi Eliezer. The sages say different. There's no limit, there's no amount of sudas you have to eat. Except the first night of Yontif, that's obligatory. Besides that, everything else is volitional. And moreover, Rebbe Yezer said a second halacha. Someone who didn't eat the first night, the suit of the first night, 
he can go ahead and make it up. When does he make it up? Meaning to say, So since he had an obligation to eat a Suda the first night of Sukkot, he missed it. Says Rebbe Eliezer, you can make it up on the night of Shemini Yatzeres. The Chachamim Imrim ain't the Devar Tashlumin. The Chachamim say nothing good doing. Obviously, you can't make it up. You missed it. Too bad. Alzanimar, and that's what the pasuk was referring to when it says Muuvas LaYachol Iskin. It's a defilement, a disgrace that can't be fixed. And something lacking which you can't reappropriate. You missed out. Too bad. So you have two machlekesin. Rebbeleizer and the Chachamim. First machlekes is there an amount of sudas you have to eat in Sukkot? Rebbeleizer says fourteen. The Chachamim say no. You just have to eat the first night. And a separate halacha, a separate machlekes. Rebbeleizer says if you miss the first night of Sukkot, you can make it up. Whereas when it comes to the Chachamim, if you miss the first night of Sukkot, you can't make it up. Now this is very very interesting for multiple reasons. Let's start with Rebbeleizer. Rebbeleizer says you have to eat fourteen sudas. Rabbi Yezer, you have to eat 14 sudas. So on Shabbos, how many sudas do we eat? How many sudas do we eat on Shabbos? So, Shalosh sudas, right? How are we counting these sudas? From, from night to day? I would assume so, right? Because the first suda is at night. So that means that there's one suda at, during the day, and one suda at night, and then another suda during the day. So what happens on Shabbos? Shabbos, you have one suit at night and two sudas during the day. The next day, I have one suit at night. So that means that Friday, I'm gonna, Friday night, which is, let's call it, you know, the sixth day, for argument's sake. The sixth day, I'm going to have one suit at night. The following day, the sixth day during the day, I'm going to have two sudas. And the seventh day, which is Saturday night, I'm going to have another suda. That means I have 15 meals. What happened to Shalashidas? 15 sudas. Just say 15 sudas, not 14 sudas. According to the Rambam, according to the Rambam, even Yantif has an obligation for Shalosh sudas. So then, it comes out much worse, right? According to the Rambam, you have to have 16 sudas. What about Malav Malka? 17 sudas. What's this din of 14 sudas? Yeah? That's question number one. Now, are these two halachas of Rebbe Yezer connected? Nebuchadnezzar says you need 14 sudas, and Nebuchadnezzar says you have tashlumen. The Chachamim say there's no amount of sudas, and there's no tashlumen. Are these two things connected? Are they two totally random achlikasin? And the only reason the juxtaposed in the Mishnah is because it happens to be that it's machlikas between Nebuchadnezzar and the Chachamim. Another question. Third question. What's, you know, it seems that even though Nebuchadnezzar says there's an obligation to have 14 sudas, there's still something unique about the first night suda. Why? Because Rebbe Yezer says you have an obligation for 14 sudas, and yet the only one that he discusses Tashlumen about and making it up is the first night. That's very interesting. The only time you can make it up is the first night. You have an obligation of 14 sudas. What's unique about the first night? So that's the Mishnah. Let's see the Rashi on the Mishnah. Rashi says, Yudalit sudas. The Gemara first time, and the Gemara is going to explain why 14. How do we get there? The Chacham say in the Dvar Kitzvah, there's no limit. Im Ratzadisanos, if he wants to fast, Einan is a kukanai. We don't force him to eat. But if he chooses to eat, he can't eat outside the Sulka. Now, obviously, Im Ratzadisanos, if he wants to fast, can't mean he's allowed to fast. It's forbidden to fast, both on Yantif and on Chalamoid. 
So here I assume when it says, it doesn't mean if he wants to fast, it really means if he wants not to wash and eat bread. So then he can eat Achilles Aray inside the sukkah, the whole sukkahs. Chutz melele yantifrishin, except for the first night of yantif. She'ina rosh ha'lisanos k'nilaf begamar. He's not allowed to fast, meaning to say he's not allowed to not wash and have a suda. And we'll derive the source for that in the Gemara. Says Rashi, yashlim sudaso zos piyantif ha'achrein. He can go ahead and be mashlim this meal on yantif ha'achrein, meaning to say the first night of sukkahs, according to Rebbe Yezer, you can make up on the leil shmini ha'tzeres. And even though he's not in the sukkah, the Gemara is going to ask on this. We need to say something wild. There's a specialist obligation to eat the first night in the sukkah. And according to Rabbi Yezer, you can make that up outside of the sukkah. Unbelievable. So that is going to need a tremendous explanation. How can I make up the mitzvah of eating in the sukkah by eating on Shemini Yetzirah, not in the sukkah? So that, the Rashi tells us, the Gemara is going to ask. So comes along the Gemara and discusses the first halacha of the Mishnah and asks as follows: My time the Rebbe What's the reason the Rebbe says you're obligated to eat fourteen sudas? Says the Gemara Teshvu. We know the pasuk says Basukas Teshvu Shivas Yamim Kola Ezrach Biyisol Yeshu Basukos that you have to dwell in Sukkos for seven days and Chazal Darshan Teshvu Kein You have to dwell the same way you live. Madira achas bayoim va'achas balayla. The same way when you live, your normal schedule is you eat one meal during the day and one meal during the night. Afsukah, so too when it comes to sukkah, achas bayoim, achas balayla. Chiddush, the nidim teshvu kein tadoru obligates you to keep your schedule. Meaning to say, if you normally, your schedule incorporates two meals a day, one by day and one by night, that's your normal eating standard. So too, when it comes to sukkahs, that becomes obligatory to keep that normal standard. And therefore, says Rebbe Liezer, you have to eat 14 sudas. Says the Gemara, V'rabanan Kedira. The Rabbanan say, it's Kedira. Madira, Ibai Ochil, Ibai Layochil. The same way when a guy is living, if he wants to eat, he eats. If he doesn't want to eat, he doesn't have to eat. Afsukanami, so too when it comes to sukkah, if he wants to eat, he eats. If he doesn't want to eat, he doesn't have to eat. So, inasmuch as eating, normatively speaking, is purely optional, it's volitional, so, so too says the Chachamim that when it comes to sukkah, so sukkah is also volitional, you don't have to have sudas, we don't force you to have sudas, but if you want to, you can, if you don't want to, you don't want to. And I want to pose a question. Do the Chachamim agree with this concept of Rebbe Liezer of Teshvu Kein Tedoro. Meaning to say as follows. Up until now, we've seen two different derivations, usages, of the concept of Teshvu Kein Tedoro. The first time we bumped into it was when it came to Mitzdayer, Holchei Drochim, that there's certain circumstances that the Torah said, if, normatively speaking, you would be in your house right now, then you have to be in your sukkah. But under other circumstances... You're going out for business. You're a mitzdayer. The sukkah is causing you duress. The same way your house would cause you duress. And the Torah never obligated you. That was one teishvukein tedoro. Then we had a baye. A baye was by Shomer Pardesas, the Veginos, and the Chavavam and Aleph. There we saw if you can't maintain your normative living standard, you can't have your fancy sheets 
and your nice dishes, so then you're also exempt from sukkah. A second degree, a second variance of the concept of Teshu Kain Teduru comes along the Chacham, Rabbi Leezer, I'm sorry, and says Teshu Kain Teduru not only mandates the circumstance, not only mandates a standard of living, but it also mandates that you keep the same schedule. So if normally your schedule incorporates two meals a day, Teshu Kain Teduru obligates you to keep that same schedule and have two meals a day in the sukkah. Do the Rabbanan agree with this Chiddush of Rebbe Yezer that Teshu Kain Teduru also incorporates this third aspect of keeping your normative schedule? My inclination, and I'll prove it to you, is absolutely yes. Why? It says the Gemara of Rabbanan Kedira. What's Kedira? Why is the Rabbanan saying Kedira? The Rabbanan should say, Right? Or they should, the Rabbanan should say, that's not included in Teshu Kain Teduru. What do they say? Kedira. Meaning to say that Kedira means the way you live. The Rabbanan are translating, they're defining for you, what is this concept of Teshu Kain Teduru? So you, Revliyazah, want to say Teshu Kain Teduru means keep your schedule, even though during the year it's volitional, you choose to have two meals a day, but since that's what you choose normatively during the year, that's going to oblige you during, and obligate you, I'm sorry, during Sukkot, comes along the Chacham and say no, because the very fact that it was a choice during the year means that it should also be optional during Sukkot. So it's not a machlokus whether or not this concept of Teshu Kain Teduru exists. It's a concept of What's the application of this third manifestation of Teshvu Kein Teduru? Says the Machlekes Yerubliezer and the Chachamim. Now, says the Gemara as follows: Ihachi, if that's true, that according to you, the Rabbanon, we agree. There's a concept called Teshvu Kein Teduru that obligates you to keep your normal schedule. If therefore, you can choose whether or not you eat or not. That din should apply even the first night. So how can the Chachamim in the Mishnah say, that you have an obligation to eat the first night? We know there's a din, Teshvu King Tenuru, that applies all seven days of Sukkot. That means that even the first night should be optional. So how could the Chachamim hold that you have an obligation to eat the first night if they hold of this newfound derivation of Teshvu Kain Teduru that makes eating meals optional? I'm Rav Yechonon Shimon ben Yehud Tzadok. Rav Yechonon said in the name of Shimon ben Yehud Tzadok. Nemer Khan Chamishasar. It says in regards to Sukkot Chamishasar, Right? The Sukkot takes place the 15th of Tishrei. And it says the 15th on the Chagamatzis, on Pesach. Right? It's the 15th of Nisan. Malholon, the same way when it comes to Pesach. Laila Harishon Chuyva, Mikan Ve'elech Rishos. If a person has to eat Matzah, it's not a choice. They have to eat a matzah. They have to have a meal of matzah the first night of Pesach. But the rest of the days and nights of Pesach, whether they have matzah or not, is, a, is optional. Afkan, so too when it comes to Sukkot, Laila Harishon Chayva, 
The first night you have to eat in your sukkah, bread, a meal, but after that first night, rishus, it's optional. We learn one from the other. Ask the Gemara, how do we know that the first night of sukkah, of Pesach, I'm sorry, is obligatory? The Torah says, at night time, you should eat matzah, the Torah made it obligatory. They established an obligation. So now this obligation that we establish from Pesach and extend till Sukkot is going to need a lot of work. Because what's that mean? Because there's an obligation to eat matzah on the 15th of Nisan that obligates me to eat my Sukkah the 15th of Tishrei. So... What is the nature of that obligation? It's transfixing. Does it mean I have to eat matzah? I have to eat matzah in my sukkah on the 15th of Tishrei? It's hard to imagine, right? I don't have to eat matzah. So it can't be that the gzera shava of chamishasar, chamishasar is transfixing the obligation, the exact obligation of the, of, of Pesach to become the exact obligation of Sukkot. So it's not transform, it's not transferring the exact obligation, so what is it yes transferring? So I'd have two ways to go here. I would think. One way to go is to say that what's matzah? Matzah is a meal. I have an obligation to eat. Now, it's prohibited for me to eat bread on Pesach. And therefore, it comes along the Torah and says, You have a meal you have to eat. That meal has to be unleavened bread. It has to be matzah because there's a prohibition to eat chametz. So therefore, there's a prohibition, there's an obligation to have a meal. That obligation to have a meal, we transfix to become an obligation to have a meal also on sukkahs. Aye, there's an obligation to have a meal on sukkahs. If that's true, so then why do I have to have it in the sukkah? I'll have it outside the sukkah. The answer is, you're right. From the transfic- from, from what we learned out from Pesach, you actually wouldn't have to have it in the sukkah. But just since it's sukkah and it's prohibited to have a meal outside the sukkah, so then you'll have to have it. So one, the first way, to put it in layman's terms, is that the same way that there's a, we had an obligation to have a meal on Pesach, we're just learning out, we're extrapolating from there, there's an obligation to have a meal on Sukkot. Now, based off the yontif that we're located in, that's going to determine what type of meal we're going to have and where we're going to have the meal. So, when it comes to Pesach, we can't have bread, so we'll have to have matzah. When it comes to Sukkot, we can't eat it in the house, so we'll have to eat it inside the Sukkah. But the real derivation is only learning out the obligation to have a meal. That'd be one way to go. The other way to go would be as follows. That, you know, when it comes to Pesach, what, there's a special unique mitzvah to Pesach. That mitzvah is a chilas matzah, matzos. So that mitzvah of eating matzah is an option the entirety of Pesach. You can choose whether you want to eat it or not. Comes along the first night of Pesach, and the Torah says, tonight's obligatory. Tonight it's obligatory. So if I want to go ahead and take a step back and look at the pattern that the Torah established, the Torah established a pattern that if I have a seven-day yontif, the first day, the first night, I'm sorry, the mitzvah of that yontif is an obligation 
the first night the mitzvah is an obligation, and all the other days and nights, it's a rishos, it's voluntary, optional. So now, comes along the Gezeir Shavah Tesvav Tesvav, takes that pattern, and applies it now to Sukkot, and says as follows, the mitzvah hayoyim, the minuik mitzvah tachaga Sukkot, at night time is going to be obligatory, and the rest of the time it'll be optional. And that's what we extrapolate and learn out from Pesach. So what would that, how would that look, to say the layman's term? What are we learning out? We're extrapolating from Pesach that the first night, the special unique mitzvah to the day is an obligation. So so too, on Sukkot, on the first night, the special mitzvah, that Yontav, is obligatory. And all the other days it'll be optional. Those are the two ways to go and explain. I would start these what the what the limud is, what we're learning out from Pesach till Sukkot. Now, that being said, let's see a piece of Minchas Chinuch together. So, there's a Minchas Chinuch and Mitzvah Shin Chafei. Mitzvah Shin Chafei is a Mitzvah Yeshiva Sukkah. He says as follows: The im ki ein darki bechiwa zelaharich bekushis apirukim. Even though it's not normative for me, the Minchas Chinuch, to elongate and talk at length about different questions and answers, Masha'inu Negei Ledina, that which is not relevant to Allah Lamaisa, Mikol Maklim, nonetheless, though Emna Letaritz Kushis Atosvis, I'm not going to refrain from answering Tosvis' question, Shilin if he has Daiti Svarna which seems like a great question, Bemasha Ekshu Bedavtes Amad Beiz. Tosvis asks a question, Sukha Davtes Amad Beiz. Why do I need a pasuk of lecha to exclude a sukkah gzula if a, stole, a person stole a sukkah? So they don't, they're not able to fill the mitzvah with it. The Gemara brings a pasuk. Lecha, sukkah tase lecha shtivas yamin. It has to be yours, you have to be the owner. So yes, this is, why do I need a pasuk of lecha to exclude gezel? Ha, havi lei mitzvah babavira. Irrelevant of the prohibition of gezel, inasmuch as you could only have a fulfillment of the mitzvah through the transgression of a prohibition, that should invalidate the fulfillment of the mitzvah. So I don't need a pasuk. Logic dictates as such. Says the Minchas Chinuk, I'm sorry, says Tisus, and don't tell me the reason why we need lecha is because it's coming to exclude a borrowed sukkah. Because you can use a borrowed sukkah, that's actually valid for sukkahs. And even without lecha, Nonetheless, Gzula is going to be invalid because this concept, Mitzvah Babavira. Now, this is what we really want. Says the Minchas Chinuch as follows. Venerally, and it seems to me, there's two different types of positive mitzvos. One is that there's an obligation that's lying on the shoulder of each Jew like putting on phylacteries, taking an esrog, right, and eating matzah, and this kind of mitzvah, which is an obligation on the person, it's incumbent upon the person to do it, if he fulfills it, he does the will of his creator, because that's what the king commanded him to do, and if he doesn't do it, and he doesn't put on the tefillin, or he doesn't take the four meaning, the four species, he negates the mitzvah, 
And he went against the will of the king, and he'll be punished for it. That's one type. Says the There's some mitzvahs which are not obligatory. For example, wearing tzitzis. Why? The Torah didn't obligate him to wear a garment of four corners. And if he wants to, he doesn't have to put on a garment of four corners. And it doesn't go against Hashem's will. But if he obligates himself, he brings himself to be obligated. Right? What's he do? He purposely puts on a garment that has four corners on it. And why would he do that? The In order to be able to yes fulfill the mitzvah, it's a nice thing to do. Haklau. And therefore, a general principle is as follows. If he fulfills it on his own volition, then he does the, the will of Hashem. But if he doesn't do it, he doesn't do anything wrong. He's not transgressing anything. He's just not fulfilling the mitzvah. Unbelievable. Listen to the next words of the Minchas Chinoch. The Kain mitzvah zu Dainu sukkah. Similarly, this mitzvah, which is sukkah, yesh ba shnei chilkei ha-mitzvah. The two different aspects to the mitzvah. Dainu, what are they? Belayel rishon shel sukkis, the first night of sukkis. Mitzvah se'esei lechel kazayis pasukkah. It's a, a positive mitzvah to eat in the sukkah. Mechuyiv lachzach ha-sukkah. And it's an obligation on the person he has to make sure he has a sukkah to eat in the sukkah. Vim eno roitzel ha-echol. And if he doesn't want to, it doesn't make a difference. Because he's obligated to do it the same way there's an obligation for Matzah And if he doesn't fulfill this positive commandment on the first night, he goes against Hashem's will. But all the other days and nights, if he wants to, he doesn't have to eat a meal. He doesn't have to dwell in the sukkah. And there's no obligation on him. In the same way, there's no obligation to wear tzitzis if you're not wearing a garment of four corners. If he chooses to eat, then it's a positive commandment. Unbelievable, guys. So what's he saying here? He's mamish saying the second explanation that we proposed. What do I mean to say? He's coming along and saying there's two different types of mitzvahs that say. A mitzvah which is a chiv, and a mitzvah which is an option. If you can choose, you can opt in. I can put myself in a circumstance why I can do the mitzvah. Says the minchas chinuch, that's sukkah. The first night, it's an obligation on me. The mitzvah sayyim, the mitzvah which is unique to Chag Sukkos, that I become obligated in. It's mandatory. How do I know that? The same way matzah is mandatory, the first night. But all other nights, where I don't have an explicit limud from Pesach, so then, 
it's going to be my choice. If I want to have a meal, you have to eat in the sukkah, but I don't have to have a meal. No problem. Unbelievable. So one explanation we're sourcing already in the Minchas Chinuch. Comes along the Marashal. The Marashal is the Chach Mashlemi. He's in the back of the Gemara. He was a contemporary of the Marashal. And he's located right underneath him. Says the Marashal, the Chiv Achila, the Yudalid, says the Holy Marashal, the eating in the Sukkah, on the first night of Sukkah, is not dependent on Sukkah whatsoever. We learn out, we extrapolate from Leil Pesach, from Achilles Matzah, that he has to eat. And since he has to eat, it's impossible to go ahead and eat, not in the Sukkah. But nonetheless, the main thing is dependent on the Sukkah. What's the Marashal say? Marashal says, unbelievable. What did we extend from Matzah to Sukkot? We extended an obligation to eat. Our first explanation. And now says the Marashal that why do you have to eat in the Sukkah then? Not because that's what we learned out from the mitzvah of Achilles Matzah, but because since I had a chiv to eat, that chiv to eat can only be fulfilled inside a sukkah. Because it's also to eat outside of it. So really, our two explanations, which we gave to how, what are we learning out from the Gdeir Shavav, Tesvav, 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 is it an obligation to have a suda? Or is it, obli- is it that the mitzvah, which is unique to the day, becomes obligatory as opposed to volitional, is a machlekes between the Marashal and the Chaschinoch. The Marashal says the first way, that's obligation to eat the Suda. And since you have to eat a Suda, it has to be in the Sukkah. And the Menchaschinach says, no, there's a mitzvah's kiyumis, a mitzvah kiyumis, which you can do all the time. You don't have to, you can choose to. But the first night, you have to. Oh. So now, that's going to be our basic run of this, this limud of Tesvav Tesvav. Right now, it's Machlekes Achrenim. Now I want to go ahead and apply this to the Rishonim. So in order to do so, we have three different Rishonim to look at, the Rambam, the Ran, and the Ritva. So the Rambam starts off in Hilchus Sukkah, Perak Vav And the Rambam says, Eating in the Sukkah the first night of Sukkah is obligatory. Even if he eats a Kazayas of it, he fulfills his obligation, and afterwards, everything's optional. So according to the Rambam, Yochiv, the first night of Sukkot, is to eat a kazayas. Comes along the Ran. And the Ran says differently. Comes along the Ran and says, the second line, And the first day, the first night of Yontif, of Sukkot, we also derive that a person's obligated to eat an amount that he has to eat in a sukkah. Because if it was just a hilchus yontif, hilchus suuda, there would be enough to eat a kavetsa outside of the sukkah. Why not? But we derive from chagamatsos the what? That what he has to eat an amount which obligates him to eat in the sukkah. 
and therefore he has to eat more than a kabitza. Unbelievable. So machlikas rambam and ran. How much do you have to eat? According to the rambam, you have to eat a kazayas. According to the ran, you have to eat more than a kabitza. The ritva says, like the ran also, that the obligation to eat is to eat more than a kabitza. So now, there's a sefer, the sefer is called Harari Kedim. It was written by Remichel Shurkin. And it was, uh, I think, as far as I understand, it's the Torah of Rav Yosheh Ve'asalavechik that Remichel Shurkin wrote up and it brought, you know, based off the order of the Moadim. So Harari Kedim wants to claim as follows. He wants to say that Archakira of what was learned out, what was the extension of Tesvav Tesvav, is really the Nekuda Samachlokas, is the point of dispute between the Rambam and the Ran. Meaning to say as follows, if you learn that the derivation of Tesvav Tesvav tells me the same way, that Leila Seder, I have an obligation to have a meal, so too, and so this, I have an obligation to have a meal, the Chiyav Suda, like the Maharshal, then that fits in line with the Rambam. Because what's a Chiyav Suda to have a Kazayas? So the Rambam who says you have to eat only a kazayas at pas is learning out the tesvav tesvav is really an obligation of suda, but the ran and the ritva that learn that you have to have more than a kabeitza, they're not learning that it's a halacha in suda, they're learning that what that the mitzvah sayoim becomes obligatory, and therefore you have to have what constitutes nachilas kva. And when you have what constitutes Nachilas Kfah, that's how you know you fulfill the mitzvah. So that's what he wants to say, that really our dispute between the Minchas Chinuch and the Maharshal is really the dispute in the Rambam and the Ran. That the Rambam goes like the Maharshal, that Tesvav Tesvav extends an obligation of a Suda, and therefore it suffices with the Kazayas, whereas according to the Ran, he's learning out the Tesvav Tesvav is like the Minchas Chinuch, that the mitzvah of the day becomes obligatory. And since it's in the Chivas Ayoyim, it's in the mitzvah of the day, as opposed to Suda, therefore you have to eat a quantity which would obligate you in a Kiyom, in a Chiv of the Mitzvah Ayoyim. That's a Kibetz more. That's the stance of the Ran. Now, what makes this really, really difficult and a this at this at this level impossible is as follows: that when it comes to the Rambam, let's say, says the Rambam, Achila belele yontef harishin besuka chayva. Eating in the sukkah on yontef harishin is an obligat is obligatory. Eating in the sukkah is obligatory. Afilo achol kazayis pas yotzei rechayvasai, and therefore, even if he eats a kazayis pas, he fulfills his obligation. My dear friends, I don't understand. We saw the Rambam in Achilles Arai, the Rambam Paskins. It's a Mishnah. Achilles Arai is potter from Sukkah. So if what the Rambam understood the Gzereshav of Tesvav Tesvav was, is that the Chiv Suda of Leila Seder is transfixed to become a Chiv Suda also on Leila Sukkis. And that all I have to eat is a kazayis. Why is the chiv to eat in the sukkah? There's not an opinion in the world that says that a kazayis is an achilas kva. So if my whole chiv of, of leil sukkis 
is eating a kazayas pas. So I can eat that outside the sukkah. Why is there a chiv to eat in the sukkah, according to the Rambam, if that's the explanation, if the amount I have to eat is only a kazayas? Impossible. The kash is a bum. So what do you do with that? So I think the Ari Kedem doesn't answer this. He doesn't address this question. I think you have to ask this question. This question's a bum. I'm saying you can't... What's that mean? You have to eat in the sukkah, but it's not a kaza- but it's a kazayas? Why do you have to eat in the sukkah then? It's chilas aray. So I think as follows. The run, towards the end, it says as much. The came into Gamrin and Mechaga Matzis, since we derive Tesvav Tesvav from Chaga Matzis, Lagami Gamrina Minei, we derive it fully. Mahosim Bekazayas, so too with Kazayas, Avoche Bekazayas. Also there with the Kazayas. The, the Ran is explaining the other opinions that he doesn't go like. Yes, the Ran, Vafalgav, the Bishar Yumisa Chag, even though when it comes to all the other days of the Chag, Kazaras Araihu, Eating just a kazayas is arai, ar kasha. And therefore, how come there's a chayv to eat in the sukkah? And you can eat it outside. Says the ran, Since, nonetheless, on the first night, since the Torah made it obligatory, to eat in the sukkah, became a chilas kva. What does that mean? So I'll tell you how I understand it. You know, one way to make a chila, to eating, to make it kfat, to make it a set, a set meal, is because you ate so much. When you eat a certain amount, that amount determines that what you're eating is not a snack, but it's actually a meal. Satiates. I want to claim that according to this Rishenim, according to the Rambam, there's another way to define a meal. What happens if the Torah obligates you to eat? The Torah says that this is a meal. This is a meal. You have to eat this meal. The Torah calls it a meal. So since you're obligated to eat it, and the Torah views it like you're eating a meal, so comes along the Gemara and says... The Torah made it a chayv. And since the Torah made it a chayv, that gives it the status of being kfa. So if that's true, the Torah gave it a status of being kfa, so then really it could be like the Rambam. And that le'olam, the all we learned out is a chayv suda. But since the Torah gave a chayv suda to sukkah, on leil tesvav, even if you only have to eat a kazayas, since the Torah mandated it, that gave it a kvias, that made it a fixed meal, and therefore, a fixed meal has to be in the sukkah. Very gishmak. That'd be prat the Rambam. But let's take it the next step. Let's see the marshal. Let's go back to the marshal we saw originally, which is how we saw our first source that says it explicitly, that the derivation of tesvav tesvav is really extending the chiv of a suda. Says the Marshal, the obligation of eating on the Elisukas is not dependent on Sukkah. We derive from Leil Pesach achila, that there's a chiv to eat. Says the Marshal, and inasmuch as the Torah made it obligatory, 
then it's impossible without sukkah. So it very well could be that this lumdis is explicit marashal. What's the miyachad at sarachachila? And since you need to eat, it's without yevshalei sukkah. It's not true. It's only a kazayas. If it's only kazayas, it's very, very efshar without a sukkah. The answer is no. Miyachad at sarachachila. That gives us a status of being kva. Now it's kva. Then it's yevshalakayma v'lei sukkah. So we're coming out again, a sikum. We have a machloikis, Rebliezer, the Chachamim. How many sudas you have to eat? According to Rebliezer, you have to eat 14. Teshru, Kain, Tadur, Chiddush, you have to keep your normative schedule. According to the Chachamim, Ibai, Achil, Ulai, Bai, Achil, eating is volitional during the year, so to during sukkis. Ask the Gemara if that's true. Also, the first night should be optional. Answers the Gemara, Tesvav, Tesvav. According to the Minchas Chinuch, and the Ran and the Ritva, the answer is Tesvav, Tesvav, it says no. The mitzvah of the day becomes obligatory the same way that we have an obligation of Pesach, Leila Seder. And therefore you have to eat a Kibetzer more in your sukkah the first night because the mitzvah of sukkah you have to do, you have to be Mekayim in a way which sukkah itself would be Mekayim sukkah. You have to eat a Kibetzer more. And according to the Maharshal, the Rambam, so Tesvav Tesvav tells me that we extend the Chiv of Sa'uda to Sukkot also. And since the Torah said that this is a Sa'uda, that gives it a halacha of Achilas Kva. And therefore, even an amount which normatively you could eat outside of a Sukkah, tonight on Neil Tesvav you're going to have to eat inside of the Sukkah because the Torah deemed it as a fixed meal. And therefore, Sukkah becomes obligatory. That's the way we're going to start. We open up the sugya today. The Mitzvah Hashem next week. We're going to delve more into it. We're going to see more Rishonim. And we're going to try to come to know a better understanding of this obligation of Leil Tesvav. What happens if it rains? You know, do we still have an obligation to eat in the Suda? To have to, I'm sorry, to eat in the Sukkah? It's very, very relevant to how we understand what's the nature of this Chiv and the answer of the Gemara in response to the question of Ihachi that is optional, so the first night should also be optional. However, the Gemara response to that is going to have a lot of halachic ramifications. So Mir Hashem will connect, continue with that next week.